Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a four-time, 21-year survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm also a motivational speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 24-year survivor, certified life coach, and author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. Uh, we are also the co-founders of Breast Friends. And so Sharon- today we're... Yeah, I'm sorry. I know you had something you wanted to talk about before we get the show started. So, yeah, I just wanted to talk about the importance of touch. And I know um, with all of the crazy stuff that's going on on the on the news today and and the last you know several months, touch has been um, uh, talked about a lot yeah. <laughs> in probably not good ways. <laughs> but at the True. same time, I just want to make sure that people do understand that human beings really do need to be touched appropriately. Correct. And when I'm talking about that I'm talking about for instance in the work that breast friends does okay I'll use that as the context we're talking about and for instance when I'm talking to a woman when Becky and I are talking to a woman who's going through a cancer diagnosis going through treatments very scary time one of the ways to show empathy is to maybe reach out and touch their hand, uh, touch their shoulder. And again, this is an appropriate way. But I, I want to make sure that people really understand that touch is important. Giving that person a hug when, again, it's, it's going to be accepted in a, in a positive way. You know, Sharon, you bring up some really good points. And, I, you know, when I went through cancer the first time, I had a very kind of huggy, warm, touchy-feely doctor, but always very appropriate. When she retired two years later, she passed me off to a colleague who then kind of did all my follow-ups for the next six years. And then when I finally was diagnosed the second time and she had to give me my diagnosis, I mean, I ended up having to let her go as my caregiver because she sat across the room and she read me this diagnosis. She never even once looked up at me to say, you know, we're going to get through this. If she would have looked at me, she would have seen the emotions on my face. Um, She probably would have misunderstood them, but... But if she would have just wheeled her chair over to me and put her hand, you know, like on my hand and say, Becky, I know this is scary, but we're going to get through this. She never did that. And so I ended up letting her go. And I found another warm, fuzzy doctor who touches appropriately. And so it is it is a big deal. And Sharon, I'm glad you kind of started off with the the appropriateness because it is how many how many senators are stepping down? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And and it's probably very um uh, late in coming um, yeah. when when we look at this kind of stuff. But at the same time, I just really wanted to make sure people understand that appropriate touch is very important and we all need it. Yeah. So, when, I, when I speak at, at speaking events, you know, when I, when I do something there, I never gauge my success on if I get a standing ovation or if I sell books or whatever. I base my success on how many people line up to give me hugs. Isn't because that hugs great? Are, 
important. They really yeah. are. So Absolutely. Thank thanks for that, that start to the show today because it really is appropriate with what we're going to talk about. We have a wonderful guest today. Her name is Antoinette Trulio Martin. Antoinette, did I say your name right? Please tell you me I did. You certainly did. You got the silent G in. <laughs> <laughs> so Antoinette is a speech therapist and a special education teacher by training, but honestly, she's a writer at heart. She's the author of children's picture books, which I, I think is, is an amazing talent because to try to keep children's attention for more than five minutes is pretty amazing. So her <laughs> book was called Famous Seaweed Soup, which sounds fascinating. And she's also been the visiting author in schools for several years. But she also wrote her first memoir called Hug Everyone You Know, A Year of Community, Courage, and Cancer. Welcome, Antoinette. We're so glad to have you on our show today. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory, you know, that led you maybe to even writing your first book, and then what moved you on to your memoir? Just kind of fill us in on the back. Okay. Thank you. Um, Well, I was always considered the writer, always wrote little stories and kept a journal. Uh, When my children were little, I have three daughters, um, I had a home business uh, called Playing Pals with... uh, Using, uh, we were doing playgroups in the house, and um, so I was writing curriculums and little stories for the children. And I also, um, in order to get free advertising, I got, um, um, I was writing a column on uh, parenting and uh, all kinds of little tips and uh, observations. And um, from there, you know, I was using my little stories and um, got involved in the Children's Book Writers Group on Long Island here and uh, fashioned famous seaweed soup. And uh, it took a while to get it published. Albert Mm -hmm. Whitman eventually uh, picked it up, and it had a very nice long life in paperback and in Spanish, and it was great. Oh, nice. Yeah, but... um, you just can't quit the day job for one book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> yes, I can know that. As we all know. <laughs> so I've always been writing, and I kept up with my journaling. And um, when I was diagnosed with cancer, um, I, I used the journal. The, the journaling became so much more important for me. I was able to uh, rant and rage and question and uh, organize my thoughts better than I could verbally. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I've originally uh, kept the, uh, the journal thinking, one day this might make a whimsical book about uh-huh. cancer. Uh-huh. And um, when I tried to write, it wasn't whimsical, so I kept on putting it away. <laughs> 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 I love that. <laughs> the w- one wonderful thing about a book is it doesn't matter how long it takes you to write it. As long as you get it done, nobody knows, you yeah, know. That's true. That's very true. That's very true. So, um, but uh, what eventually happened, I was re-diagnosed, and um, then um, I went back to, to the journal and, and the kept emails that I kept um, and was able to organize the uh, book a little better, and um, it, it gave me a, a talisman to uh, navigate what, what I had to do again. That's great. That's great. Oh, I know oh, oh, uh, writing a book is, is so daunting, but it sounds like <laughs> oh, you're just yeah. a born writer, so it probably oh, comes a so. little bit easier to you. But 
<laughs> you know, I've had a lot of people ask me, how do you write a book? Well, you don't sit down to write a book, probably. You sit down and you write a, a paragraph, and right, then you write right, another yeah. paragraph. And, you know, yeah. pretty soon, you know, my book my book started out in my mind as a 32-page booklet that would be mm-hmm. folded down the center and stapled, you know, <laughs> yeah, in yeah. booklet form on a paper <laughs> copier, you know. But when my writing teacher read it, she said, no, this is not a booklet. This is the beginning of a book. You know, so you kind of just get the story down, and then you go back and you expand on things that are important, Mm -hmm. and eventually you end up with a book, right? Yeah, Yeah, it is. And, you know, and the story uh, plays out in your head for months and years, and, um, you know, so you jot a little of this down, and you put this down and that down, and eventually it does come together. Yeah. And now with with, uh, the ability to do all this on a computer instead of an old push-button typewriter, you can copy and paste and (laughs) cut and move, and it's it's great. So so much better. I can't even imagine accomplishing that big task without a computer. Well, I have to say, I have to handwrite everything first. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have to go through that whole handwrite process first. Okay, so explain that, please. Yeah, so... uh, yeah, so so it becomes a little more of a a labor of love. So why is that, Antoinette? Is it just something that you you feel more connected with it, or is it a physical uh, thing? Why, I, why do you have to yeah. do that? I think so. I'm a, I'm not a very good typist. Uh, I never I never really learned how to how to do it well, um, and I just think my thoughts flow so much more fluently mm-hmm. with a pen. Mm-hmm. That you know, it took me twenty minutes to pick out. You know, I got to go hunt for the right pen for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, and journaling is is very cathartic. So for yeah. our listeners, you know, the people mm-hmm. who are working through particular issues, um, I actually went through a, a funny uh, experience because, and you know, I, I didn't realize I was a perfectionist on some on these kind of levels, but I remember trying several times to journal. And with a pen and paper, like you said, mm-hmm. and uh, I would get through about two days and I'd look at it and I'd be disgusted because I had scribbles and my handwriting went to hell in a handbasket and all these different, I mean, it was just the funniest thing ever. So I'd scribble oh. it up and throw it away and then I never, you know, picked it up again. Mm. So my ex-husband passed away and I oh. had some obviously unfinished business mm. yeah, <laughs> that I needed care. to yeah. work. Yeah. And um, I I really literally came to that place where I'm like giving myself permission to misspell words, to have it be messy, to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, have it look awful. And I actually got through two weeks of journaling and that was like, woohoo, I really big, big for me. Yeah, Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, I'm I'm not a perfectionist when it comes to that. You know, I'm okay. You know, doing my sloppy copies. And, sloppy uh, copies. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so well, it's, it's called my sloppy copy, and uh, um, it it just feels that you know. And then when I look back at it, I think, you know, am I really feeling that badly about it? And if I, you know, so what's the solution? You know, to come up with a solution for you know, the challenges. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and so uh, what yeah. were your greatest challenges when you're facing, you know, writing a book like this? Uh, time. Time, time yeah. is the hardest. Yeah. Um, you know, I work all day and you know, I work with kids and uh, then come home and take care of things at home. And, 
you know, I still cook dinner. <laughs> and You know, we do hear that a lot because a lot of yeah, ladies do want mm-hmm. to get their story down and they tell us all the time. It's, I just don't know, how do you have the time to sit down and write a book? And, yeah. and it, you know, it, it, like we said a, a few minutes ago, you don't sit down and write a book. You sit down and you write a paragraph of something you thought yeah. about today, you know? Yeah. And so how did, how did you find the time? What did you do? Um, well, a lot of it, well, what I had done, I um, signed up and uh, was accepted in an MFA program, Masters of Fine Art program for creative writing. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, right. And something I've always wanted to do. I have several masters in my field and everything and all kinds of certification, but I've always wanted the MFA. So mm-hmm. uh, when my girls were done with college, um, I, I thought it was my turn. And, Makes uh, sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I had advisors and, um, you know, just wonderful classes, you know, really to hone the, uh, the craft of writing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also probably the best thing I I've came out of it was um, having a circle of uh, few women that uh, we still keep, you know, regular time with. Oh, that's to go wonderful. Through our writing and uh, talk about writing, complain about writing. <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot of that in writing. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all kinds of uh, things that you know a writer needs, you know, because it is a it's a lonely sport, it's a lonely ambition. Yeah. So how do you, how do you think it? How were you transformed by it? When I'm sure there what there came that day where you got the book done, and that's a real mm. aha moment. But in this process, how do you think that process changed you? Um, I think it gave it. Well, it certainly did. It gave me um, quite a bit uh, of confidence. Good. That you know I I can really consider myself a writer now. Mm-hmm. And um, and. It also uh, gave me the, uh, the 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 thinking that you know I'm a, I'm a little braver than I ever thought I'd be because mm-hmm. I, I never uh-huh. thought I would be and um, you know when it gets back to the cancer when I was initially diagnosed I'm I'm about the wimpiest patient there, there is <laughs> I, I prefer I prefer to faint and and I have no problem doing that. Than to than to have to you know be part of the uh, the procedure. Yeah, so, I understand um, that. Yeah, and and so when you were when you were going through that initial treatment and everything, um, it seemed like it was pretty devastating to you, even though you had excellent prognosis. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that? Um, well, it was that I was scared, and. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you know, my mom had, had breast cancer, as well as my grandmother, and, uh, you know, they got through it, and it hasn't, uh, it hadn't uh, really uh, affected their life after treatment and, and whatnot. But, um, but they, they, to me, you know, they were always so much stronger and braver mm-hmm. than I was, and plus I was younger than they were when I was first diagnosed. Right. And you were stage one, right, when you were first right, diagnosed? Right, I was stage one. They, they too, were stage one. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, I, I still I hadn't gone through menopause yet, you know, so it was a little more of, a, of an issue yeah. with uh, some Definitely. of that. 
Both Becky yeah, and I a, can relate to that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you're forced into menopause, and I'm still flashing after 11 years. I know. I, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. No hope and ending. <laughs> yeah. But so, uh, anyway, but... Um, but I, I was always, you know, more scared, and, I, and my girls were young, and, uh, you know, I've, you know, feared, feared for the worst. Right, right. And so tell us how you used emails. At least it sounds like you used emails to kind of help you through this. Is that what I'm understanding? Right, yes. Um, I used the emails um, primarily, primarily to communicate with um, all my people, my everyone. Uh-huh. And you know there were my my friends, my good friends, and my uh, and I have a big family. I'm Italian, and you know I grew up with my cousins, and uh, you know we're a big group of people. So everybody really wants to know how how you're doing, and to be on the phone and repeat the words over and over again was was horrible. It, it was it just made everything so much worse. Mm-hmm. So it was easier for me to just craft a, an email as to what was going on, and I found that my re, the replies that I would get, you know, even if it was just a short little thing, oh, uh, you know, thank you for, for letting me know, and, you know, big hugs and the whole thing, um, it, it made me feel so much better. And, right, uh, right, right. Without, and, and here I was able to keep that cancer silent, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have to... I didn't have to own it. Okay. How, may I ask how long ago all that was when you went through this the first time? Uh, that was in 2007. Okay. Yeah, and Facebook. January. I mean, a lot so of people do the same years. type of thing on Facebook now. They post it once and they get all right, their, right. their yeah, feedback. Right, right. This was pre-Facebook. Yeah. 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 So, so you saved all those emails, it sounds like, overall. Yes, these, I did. Yeah, that years. was part of the plan. Okay. I was going to make this whimsical story. <laughs> <laughs> So much for that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? We're actually, we need to go to break. So when we come okay. back, Sherry, we've got a couple more questions for you. Because sure. you, ref- you refer to my everyone, and we want to know who that is. But we'll find out when we come back from our, okay, our break. So, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Great. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our Women's Cancer Program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high-risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling. 
again, with the compassion of a cross and shield, and the power of a car that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states, giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance, like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the program. We've been talking with Antoinette Martin about her book, Hug Everyone You Know, A Year of Community, Career, and Cancer. So before the break, we were talking just briefly about um, My Everyone. Tell us about that. Okay, My Everyone was a... um the people who uh, uh, were my good friends and uh, family. And uh, the circle broadened as um, the year progressed. Uh, And it just made it uh, so much easier to uh, communicate with everybody without having to say the words out loud. Right. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, I have, um, you know, a lot of aunts and cousins and my sister's. Um, as well as, you know, good friends. And I also discovered, you know, uh, past colleagues I had worked with reached out to me, which was great because they had gone through uh, their uh, their cancer journey as well, and uh, they were a big help. So um, That's good. Was, yeah, so it was great. Well, that's good to hear. So in, in your book, Hug Everyone You Know, um, you, you talk about the importance of community in dealing with a cancer diagnosis. Um, yes. How did your community help you? Um, basically, they uh, kept me in the loop. Um, I wasn't really allowed to, you know, sit, uh, sit back and uh, just get treated and miss out on, on that year. Oh, that's and, good. Yeah, so, you know... I, I, I came to realize, you know, I, I'm, I'm the one who organizes stuff. You know, if we're going to do something, you know, it's, I, I'm the one who will get things together. You know, who's cooking what? Who's bringing this? Uh, what do you need to do? Um, mm-hmm. But that year, um, people took over for me, which was great. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> hard to that let nice? them do that sometimes. Good for it you. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they came it's... to my rescue. You know, my, my daughter graduated college, and I just couldn't get the party together. And, Let's get this uh, party they started the now. For me <laughs> <and> <laughs> they changed the dates for me, and uh, everybody came. It was a glorious day. You know, it was just like, wow. So it was, um, you know, so being out of uh, the loop uh, was not an option. Good, good. And, which but... is great. Being out of the loop wasn't an option, which was great, yeah. but 
that didn't mean you had to still do everything, which is, that's the point, I think, that we want to make sure our audience understands that Mm -hmm. other people can step in and do those responsibilities. And it is hard, just like Becky mentioned, it is hard to let go of those sometimes. Oh, it is. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and they really do want to help, but, you know, (laughs) if if you don't take a little bit of a back seat and allow them to help, sometimes they will kind of back away thinking you don't need them. And we all know better than that. So, yeah, yeah, take advantage. You you actually, um, God, I bet, is just understanding how to receive. Because, again, when you're the giver, when you're the planner, when you're Mm -hmm. the doer, it's hard to receive. It it is. It it was uh it was it was tough, you know, to even uh you know, even let my daughters do something that you know, that I, I wanted to do. You know, to do yeah. the things that I want to do and let my daughters do it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so, although good, cancer can be lesson. a somber topic, it sounds like you used humor also to kind of help get you through. So, how how important was humor in your journey? Oh, you, it, well, life is funny. You know, you, it you can gotta, be. <laughs> yep. You know, you got to laugh at the absurdities. Uh, you know, they were, um, especially you know, especially when um, things just don't quite go your way. And uh, you, it, it, it's just an absurd situation. Uh, one uh, thing was I needed to get aloe lotion uh, for the for the radiation burns. So uh, you know, I, I, my daughter tells me, "Oh, you should go to the health food store and get the purest and the whole thing." And I go in, and I'm just you know glazed over, overwhelmed with all the products that are there, and this very nice young woman is trying to help me, um, you know, but she uh, is like all all uh, upset that I had gone through chemotherapy and I'm getting radiation. Oh, you, it's going to take you years to oh, joy. do all that <laughs> nonsense from your body and you have to learn to love yourself. And then she starts doing this whole stroking thing on her body, and I'm and getting a little excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm just here for some aloe, okay? Yes, <laughs> let me have this. this. Let me have the first thing she told me, and <laughs> threw the money on the counter. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I was just talking about aloe this morning. My, I had, I just finished radiation for my fourth battle, and oh, I thought I got God. out of there pretty, pretty easy because my skin was barely even burned. But you know how it gets oh. worse afterwards. Oh, yes, it's, yes. it's, it takes it's hurting bit. now. <laughs> so oh, yeah. anyway, I, thank, yeah. thanks for yeah, the reminder. Work, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what are <laughs> the greatest blessings you think uh, that you found by writing this book? Um, I think. I I found my writer's voice. I th- I I think I I really um, got my stride in. Um, my uh, my confidence as a writer is um, is is so much more heightened than it was. Um, and and I don't think I struggle so much as I did mm-hmm. before. Right, and you can say, I am a writer. (laughs) I can say that. I think I can say that now. (laughs) Yeah, that's nice. Now, I I understand you used uh, She Writes Press, is that right? An indie publishing company? Mm Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to do that? Uh, Well, I had met um, the co-founder 
uh, of She Writes Press through the MFA program uh, that I was in. And um, indie publishing has uh, come a long way. It's, uh, and She Writes Press uh, really puts out some beautiful books, uh, very well edited, well thought out, well designed. And, um, you know, so I was very impressed on the quality of the books that were coming out of them mm-hmm. and, and the awards that the uh, authors were getting. Um, but I was, when I completed the manuscript and was ready to bring it to agents, um, I realized that I was uh, looking at 10 years post-first diagnosis. Mm. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of wanted it to, to be published in 2017. Right. So um, She Writes Press doesn't take everything that you throw at it. it, it there is a vetting. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have to go through, uh, just like you would in the trades. Sure. So, but I was, I was very fortunate. It, 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 uh, they, they saw the promise in it, and they really liked the story. Good, good. So, well, that's um, good to hear. I know that yeah. whole process this day and age is a lot different than it used to be. So, oh my goodness. <laughs> that's right. And yeah. you know, to your it point, really to your to your point, Antoinette. You know, when I published my book, I went through Classic Day Publishing, and it's kind of the kind of a similar thing. You know, they don't mm-hmm. take everything; they have to be intrigued by your your product. And right, but at right. least you have control in getting it to market, and you know it's going to get published. It's not like constantly sending it out to publishers who turn you right. down, 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 down. And, you know, you have some control over when the, when the book comes out. So mm-hmm. I totally get that. And so did you, you did obviously release it in 2017, right? Yes. Because it's out now. It's out October 3rd. Oh, barely out now. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's That's out. That's great. And um, I, I've had some wonderful reviews. I've gotten, mm-hmm. uh, I was a finalist in the USA um, Best Books uh, for the narrative nonfiction. Nice. So, uh, yeah, excellent. so, you know, a lot of good things are, are coming its way. Uh, I, I'm finding the promotion and marketing to be way out of my wheelhouse. It's a steep yeah. learning curve. It <laughs> is, isn't it? It, it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. It is. And I think what a lot yeah. of people don't realize is even if a, a name publishing house picks up your book eventually, you still get to do the marketing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you still have, do the hard work. <laughs> yeah, you, still, you have to write the book, you have to promote the book, and then you get a little mm-hmm. tiny percentage of it. And, you know, they put the money up front for it, but it's it's not, yeah, it's yeah. not what a lot of yeah. people think it, it, it's, it's going to be. Business. And then they end up it's, doing uh, something like this. Mm-hmm. But um, so, how can people buy your book? Oh, it's everywhere. It's, Is uh, it? okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's in, uh, you know, the, the bookstores, your brick and mortar okay. bookstores, as well as Amazon, Barnes Noble, Indie Bound. Okay. Okay. And um, so it can be found everywhere. It's on sale at Amazon right now. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's great. So let, let's kind of switch gears for just a minute. Mm-hmm. We have a few minutes left in this um, second segment. What tips do you have for people in a similar situation, you know, those facing a breast cancer diagnosis right now? What would you tell them? Well, I would uh, tell them to reach out to a community that um, they can be comfortable with. Okay. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a, a breast cancer support group, although those are, are wonderful. But um, it's, I, I think it's important to find the pals or the one pal that 
that you have a heartfelt connection with. Okay. And, um, the, you know, the, those are the people who are going to be vested in your journey. And um, the other side of it is, is that, you know, be a friend to others, you know, before you're diagnosed. You know, you, you've you got someone in your life that um, you know is uh, going through it. It's important to reach out. That's really and, true. Mm-hmm. You know, and going back to support groups for just a minute, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of them are great, but the one thing we always try to advise people we actually started our own um, support groups in our in our area here. But right. prior to that, um, support groups, well, I mean, I, I don't care where you go. They're all different. And so, yes. you know, we can encourage people to go to a support group. But what they might find when they get there is a, a group of people that have been meeting for years together. Right. And mm-hmm. they might have all bonded and connected in mm-hmm. whatever it is that they want. And you might not feel a connection there. So don't assume they're all like that. Go try a different one. And right. also some of them are just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm just, Sharon, I'm just going to say this and you can you can hit me later. Um, yeah. Some of them are very whiny and negative. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and obviously, yeah, yeah and, and that's one of my kind of like no-nos because, um, yeah, to me, my my job to, to make sure those support groups are positive and if they start getting whiny and complaining and whatever, um, I switch the subject. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, you yeah. know, and. and the only, you can't have new people coming to a group like that and everybody's just griping and moaning about their physician or about their mm-hmm. their level of care. And I mean, those are real issues. And so, yes, people have to talk about them. But some of them are still talking about stuff that happened 15 years ago. <laughs> like it's like they're going through it right now. It's like, no, that was 15 years ago. Let it yeah, go. Yeah, things have you know? changed. <laughs> yeah. So, so they're not all that to say they're not all created equal. So, you know, if you do go to one and you're not finding what you need there, Go to another one and just mm-hmm. kind of try a few until you find one that, that feels like it fits. And if you can't find one that feels like it fits, talk to a group about starting, you know, get get one started yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the things that we kind of found was there was this hole in our community of kind of upbeat, you know, support groups. And so we started a whole series of them. We've got them all spread all over the the. Oh, I guess our Sharon, we're in five counties now, right? With yeah, the yeah, yeah, we are. And and the cool thing about that too, um, we also have started that uh, Warrior Women workshops, which again, it's a great way of of uh, communicating in a community, and you don't necessarily even have to talk about your cancer or you know that kind mm-hmm. of negative thing that can be there. So I think it's really important to understand there's lots of different things out there, whether you're in our area or around the country. There's so many different types of support systems that you can right. get yourself involved in, and I think that's exactly. really the important message here. But mm-hmm. I also yeah. liked what you said about be a friend because, you know, to have a friend, you need to mm-hmm. be a friend. And, Ex- but, exactly. and you say to do that, you said to do that before you're diagnosed. So talk about that for a minute. Um, well, I, I think it's important that, um, you know, as a, as a person, you know, mm-hmm. to, um, to be a friend. Um, you, have, you have your hand out to help out um, to do um, because at, there, there will come a time when you're going to need a friend. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and it also enriches life. I mean, you know, how sad is that not to go through, you know, to go through life without saying that there was somebody who was a good friend that you could count on. Yeah, that's true. Well, those are really good tips for 
for people facing this. In your book, do you have a message from your book that you most want readers to hear? You know, if somebody's going through this right now, they just bought a copy of your book, what what should they make sure they don't miss? Um not to um, that that it is okay to rant and be angry mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. when you're first diagnosed and have a good cry. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when you're done and you dry your tears, uh, you got to look around and and you're going to see that every every day is such a gift, and there are stories worth being a part of in your life. Boy, isn't that the truth? That's really good. So yeah, that's how I then, to live. And if you have a friend or a family member who's who's going through cancer right now, what's the right thing for them to say? Uh, you know, we, we hear this a lot because people oh, don't yeah. know what to say, so they tend to not say anything, but they would love to say something. And so give us some, some thoughts on that. Um, it, it's, that that's a tough one. Um, if, if they're right there, a hug is great. <laughs> you need a hug. Um, and... Maybe just to to say, you know, I can listen to this. I, I'll listen to you. Yeah, um, yeah, that's good. Important. Yeah, without judgment, yeah. you know, sometimes yeah, we just not, need not, to talk. Yeah, if you just yeah. need to just talk or talk about anything else, yeah, you know, yep. I can listen. Well, we're going to yeah. go out to break, and we've got one okay. more segment coming up that's going to be great. very, very informational and um, really kind of different than where I thought we were going to go on this. So oh. please stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our Women's Cancer Program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high-risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. 
You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back. We've been talking to Antoinette Martin about her book, Hug Everyone You Know, A Year of Community, Career, and Cancer. So, I know, when I went through chemo, I just that poking and prodding and having everybody in my business. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's amazing how awful that can be. So I know um, you spend a lot of time in the clinical setting from getting your blood drawn to chemotherapy. So how do you get used to <laughs> strangers poking and prodding at you? <laughs> I, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good I, I answer. Just, uh, I, I still faint, uh, but I've been there for so long. They they see me coming. They They know who I am. They they let me lie down. They put the hot packs on, and you know it's 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 a big success when I can you know stay conscious while it's going oh, oh boy. on. Yeah. So, so you really do have an effect, um, uh, you know, a, a physical reaction to those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not wow. You know that, that reminds me of something that I just, I want to share with people. You know, you know your body better than anybody else, and. This poking and prodding, sometimes I think it's it wouldn't be as necessary if we were open with our medical team and tell them what we need. For mm-hmm. example, you cannot get blood out of my out of my arm. You can't do right. it. You can't get a needle in my veins. And I know this from years of practice <laughs> where I end up being this big old glorified pin cushion. And I, I actually had surgery one time where they put the needle in my hand because that's the only way they can get it in. Right, and then right. they said, you're, you're going to need a second IV, but don't worry, you'll be asleep. I said, don't try to put it in my arm. He says, don't worry, you'll be asleep. You won't even know. I woke up 12 hours later. I had two eggs on my arm, like these giant welts right, and a second right. IV in my hand. So uh-huh. now <laughs> when they see me coming, they know the only way they can do it is with hot water on my hand. So they've got the hot water running before I even come in the room. Good, you know? good, and that's, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, right. <laughs> yeah, and just refuse yeah. to let them do something you know isn't going to work for you. Yeah, you know, yeah exactly. Uh, that, that's, that's uh, yeah. Yeah, I, they, they recline me all the way back and <laughs> yeah. put the hot you know blankets on. <laughs> Good. Oh, that's Excellent. so frustrating, I'm sure. So, obviously, because I understand you found out you were stage four. So, yes. that includes yes. a lot of poking and prodding because yep, that's every kind month. of a... Yeah, <laughs> every month. Oh, boy. Okay. So, tell us about how you found out and, and all of that piece of your story. Um, well, it was uh, just close to the five-year mark after the first diagnosis. And um, I, um, my first oncologist had, had left the practice, and I was getting a new doctor, and I thought, I really don't need to do this anymore. And um, it's been five years. So the new oncologist was saying, well, let's just um, do a bone scan, make sure all is good here. And there it was. Wow. Oh, that sounds great. That doctor, huh? Yeah. Yes, um, yes. So, um, you know, so that I, I, it it was a lucky find because it was uh, it was uh, small enough uh, where it's not doing any uh, big damage, mm-hmm. right? Right now, and um, and I have to say, I'm, I'm I am so lucky, but it, the 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 research and the science that has gone into um, into breast cancer has, mm-hmm. is is 
beginning to pay off. You know, nobody dies of breast cancer. They died of they die of metastatic breast cancer. Right, 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 right. And, when it goes uh, somewhere else outside of the yes, breast. Yes, it, it goes yes. to an organ. It goes to something mm-hmm. vital. Yeah. So, yes. um, so right now my my treatment. You know, it's it's every month, but it's um, it's working. Nothing Good. moved too much, and mm-hmm. it doesn't debilitate me. You know, too much. Mm-hmm. So, so, can um, I ask what what your treatment consists of now? Um, I get two injections of uh, Falsidex. Oh yeah, we were just talking and, about that this morning. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the big shot, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then are are you on are you on anything else? I, I'm I'm on Ibrance right now for mine, and yeah. which is a no, relatively right, right new now drug. I'm 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 pretty steady, you know. Get yeah. Blood pressure things to take care of, but you know. But yeah. other than that, um, uh, things have been pretty steady. So yeah. I'm good. So so <laughs> let me go. Let me go back to that diagnosis. So mm-hmm. you were originally diagnosed in 2007, right? right. And then this so. Oh, about five years would be what 2012. Well, right. So mm-hmm. wow, you're another five, almost six years out. That's yeah, it's great. Years. Yeah, it'll be six years in January. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So I I think that's an important thing to say too, is because again, I think hearing that news that you're metastatic, that you're stage mm-hmm. four. Um, for those people who are at stage one or stage two, something like that, I mean, that like sounds like the worst thing absolutely possible to hear, but it sounds like you're managing this disease. And again, yeah. with the research and with the improvement on treatments mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, you're, you're living a good quality life, it sounds absolutely. like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my, uh, my team is, is just incredible, you know. They're 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 the the, the huggy, touchy feely kind. So uh, that, that works good, <laughs> good to me. And we uh, love that kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I can I can really you know I feel comfortable to talk with them and to you know let them know how I'm really feeling. Good. And uh, so it's it's good. So how are you really feeling, and how are you feeling today, just kind of in general? Oh, I'm fine. I I'm fine. You know, I'd I'd like to have more energy, but who wouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I just turned sixty-five. I I'm blaming mine, oh. but I'm gonna keep blaming all of my my troubles on chemo rather than old age. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, that that's uh. Yeah, I don't want to blame so, it on old age. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So you're feeling pretty good. And what are you doing these days to keep yourself healthy? I mean, it, that's still so important. You can't just yeah. give in to this. You know, you just want to keep doing something to to stay on top of it. So, what are what are you doing? Right. Well, um, I, I I still work, okay. and um, you know, keep keep my household going, um, and I'm writing, and um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to refine an exercise program I can do without hurting myself because I am okay. a little more delicate than usual than I <laughs> than I like to be, um, right. and then you know. You know, eating right and all that other good stuff that you're supposed to be doing. Right, right, right. And writing, I'm assuming, is very cathartic for you as well. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's something I have to do. Right. So are we working on another book? Yes. um, I'm going back to children's lit. Are you? Uh, Okay. Yes, yes. So... um, 
Yeah, I'm working on uh, a, a middle grade story, and also on my uh, website, I'm collecting family stories. Uh, really? And uh, listening to my uh, parents and uh, older aunts and uncles, and you know what it was like being uh, first generation and of immigrant families in New York, Brooklyn area. Oh, I bet that would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My daughter lives in uh, the Bushwick area, oh, so I spend a lot of time in, in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, there's something real special too. about that. You know, when, when our family here in Portland, Oregon, there's a big Greek community here, and mm. my grandparents, their story was written up. My dad's parents were written up oh. in, in this big church publication book thing that they did about the history of the Greeks in, in Portland, Oregon. So oh, they're in there. And, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of cool to, <laughs> to yeah. have some history like that that you can it, capture. It, it is. And I also think it's... Um, it's a it's a great way to find out where you came from, and yeah. uh, and to understand how you're heading, where you're heading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. So okay. With that, with that, that that's just a lead on for me to tell you what I have found this week. <laughs> I actually am adopted, and I found oh. my birth mother about oh eight years ago or so. Mm-hmm. I think I figured out who my birth father is this week. So that was kind of a revelation yeah. for me. So. <laughs> So when yeah. you're talking about, you know, coming across from Ellis Island and, you know, immigrating into the United States, it sounds sure. like my um, ancestries on his side came from Ireland and Scotland. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Very, very much so. Yeah. Oh, I hope you get to find out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, he has passed, but um, oh. I'm uh, at that process of just trying to put the pieces together and figure mm-hmm. out if there's any other living relatives that I can connect with. So it's pretty, yeah. pretty fun, actually. And I'm going to find oh, out soon a bunch of stuff, too. I just did Ancestry.com DNA test because yeah. our family believes that we're three quarters Greek, a quarter Italian. And that's what I have always told everybody. And I'm, I am I like that lineage, but I have a feeling that there might be some other things in there. And I can tell you right now, if I find out that there's even a little tiny bit of Jewish in me, I'm changing my name to Rebecca. Because <laughs> I love that name. And when I asked my mom why she didn't name me Rebecca, she goes, because that's a Jewish name. We're not Jewish. Jewish. Well, darn it, if I find out there's any in there, I'm changing it because I like that. <laughs> well, well my heritage is primarily heart. Sicilian, and Sicily was conquered by every culture known to yeah. man. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, so that's true. You never know. <laughs> that's right. And yeah. I think I'm going to find Turkish in there, too, and it's going to be yeah, really sure. upsetting yeah. to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> but oh well. <laughs> Yep, that's the way it goes. Is <laughs> it flavor? Well, listen, we only have a, about I don't know three minutes left or something. So, okay. let me ask you: Are there any additional thoughts that you would like to share with the audience? Anything we haven't talked about? And and then I'm also going to ask you how people can reach you if they want more information about you or about your books or about the work that you do. Because you said you're still working. Is that in the? Is that as a speech pathologist or is it something uh, else? Yes, yeah, a special ed teacher, speech therapist in school. Okay. I'm. Yeah, okay. my my little school. Um, in my little school, you need two jobs, so ah, okay. <laughs> so I'm there doing two jobs. Yes, um, I'm I'm still working. Uh, additional thoughts. Um, I think it would be to, um, you know, not to be afraid of the fear, 
and uh, you know, and to be sure to reach out. You know, to find to find some ways, either through writing or painting or mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is that that reaches your soul. Yeah, um, right. find, and makes find you twinkle. Way. We talk makes about the twinkle, twinkle yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, find ways mm-hmm. to twinkle because going yeah. through a breast cancer diagnosis is very scary, and going through mm-hmm. treatment can be very lonely and and isolating. But if you yeah. find a way to find your twinkle every day. Um, you know, I chose to stay in school. I was a late bloomer. I went back to college, um, mm-hmm. and I graduated at age fifty. But I That's stayed in school you. because it was it was something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it was outside yeah. of my current cir- circumstances, and so I, it kept me from just laying on my couch. I, people said, "Well, you should just stay home and take care of yourself." Well, that means staying in my pajamas all day, laying on the couch, and watching mindless television instead right, of right. Doing something yeah. productive. Yeah. And I know that about me, so mm-hmm. I can't do that. And oh, I can. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I can do that easily if yes. I am not inspired something else, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. staying busy, finding something that you love and, and doing that thing and, right. and making it, keeping it as part of your life even during treatment mm-hmm. because the treatment will end and just think how much further along you'll be, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yes. Yeah. Would, yeah. And how can be, people uh, reach you if they want to talk to you? Sure. Any- um, you can uh, reach me at my uh, email. Okay, and what is, is that? StoriesServed at gmail.com. I'm sorry, stories served, is that what you said? Yes, S-T-O-R-I-E-S-S-E-R-V-E-D, all one word. Okay, all right, stories served at Mm gmail.com. So if you want to reach out to Antoinette, learn about how you can get a copy of her book. She mentioned earlier it's on Amazon and it's at any of the bookstores, so that's really great information. Mm -hmm. And then you can reach out directly to Antoinette if you have questions about her journey. Are you open to having those conversations with people? Sure. Good. Absolutely. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, we are out of time, Antoinette. We want to thank oh, you so very much for being part of our, our show today. I love the title of your book. I wish you great thank success you. with that. Uh, it's awesome that it's only been out since October, just in time for the holidays, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So- <laughs> on sale. <laughs> So for all of you listening, um, again, if if you ever need our support for Breast Friends, one of the things we do is we offer emotional support one-on-one, obviously this radio show. So, you know, reach us through breastfriends.org. You can learn about all of our services that we offer. You can go there. You can make a donation online to help us keep this uh, radio show going, plus all of our other programs. And your donations, this time, they are tax deductible, just to let you know. And we will be back next week. Until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.